Welcome to Warriors Awkward, the San Francisco Chronicles NBA podcast. I'm your host, Connor Letourneau, and today I'm joined by Chronicle sports writer Rusty Simmons, who's been instrumental on the Golden State beat this season. During our conversation, we went in-depth on the Warriors' new eight-man rotation, Steph Curry's brilliance, and of course, the upcoming match with the Lakers in the play-in tournament. Rusty, thank you so much for joining me back on the podcast. It's uh, It's been a while. Um, you know, I think it's been a couple of weeks and in that, in that time, the Warriors have been playing their best basketball of the season. Um, it feels like we're covering a different team than we were covering a month ago. Um, they finished the season, I think on a, on like a 14 and five stretch. Um, you know, Steph has obviously been doing his thing, but you've had major emergences from, from guys like Jordan Poole, Juan Descano Anderson, even Michael Mulder. Um, you have with all the injuries, they've had kind of a, an eight man rotation that's been working for them when when they beat the the Grizzlies in a, in a huge regular season finale to clinch that eight spot in the West and, and, and ensure that they'll have two chances at at getting one win and, and making the first round of the playoffs. Um, what was your big takeaway? Well, the interesting thing going into it was I thought, OK, well, they don't have to play again until Wednesday for the playing game. Um, so here you are on a Sunday afternoon, and I was interested to see if Coach Kerr would play Stephen Curry and Draymond Green more. Um, in the second quarter, like you talked about, those role players, Poole and Toscano Anderson and Mulder, actually extended the lead so they didn't bring Curry and Green back early. In the fourth quarter, they ended up doing it. Um, and that that maybe gives us a little insight into what they're thinking for the play-in and hopefully eventually the, the playoffs um, is, although they only have eight guys with days off in between games that maybe they can play Curry and Draymond Green a little bit more like they did in the fourth last night. Steve obviously messed around with the rotation and the lineups all season pretty much. And it got to the point where we're still in mid-March and it's like you're still you still don't know what your eight nine man rotation is. And I actually think that the Warriors benefited greatly from some injuries, you know, from from the James Wiseman injury, from the Eric Pascal injury, the Kelly Oubre injury. Because it basically forced them to focus on the guys who are really helping them win games. Because I think, you know, no offense to James Wiseman and Kelly Oubre and even Eric Paschal, um, but I do think there was kind of somewhat of an obligation in Steve's eyes to play those guys' minutes because they're important to the franchise's future in different ways. But what we saw over the course of the season was that they weren't they weren't plus players for the Warriors. And I, I know that sounds crazy, especially talking about someone like Kelly Oubre, who, you know, is putting up pretty good numbers, you know, snapped out of that, that really rough shooting stretch, but I'm still not convinced that he's a great fit in the system or on this team. Um, I don't think he's as good defensively as a lot of people like to say. Um, and, you know, you look at his plus minus and like, they tended to be worse when he was on the floor and James Wiseman, nothing against the guy. The guy was 19 turned 20 years old in March, but he's still at a point in his career where he is not serving winning. Um, and so basically you never want to say an injury is a good thing, but it happened to guys who I think were kind of distracting from what needed to be the focus, which, which were, which was to uh, do everything they can to win games. And what we're seeing is that at least at this stage of the season, the guys who are going to help them win the games, win games, are obviously their their core three right now. Who's a, who's healthy of Steph, 
uh, Steph, Draymond, and Andrew Wiggins, and then Kim Bazemore, um, Draymond, uh, sorry, Kim Bazemore, and then you have those those three bench guys in in um, you know Jordan Poole, Michael Mulder, and uh, Ron Scano Anderson, and then of course I, I'm sorry I forgot Kevon Looney who has has been incredible. You know he's playing uh, thirty or so minutes a night, uh, you know, looks as spry he's, as he's ever been. I think he's playing the best basketball of his career. He's he's kind of the opposite of James Wiseman in a lot of ways in that he's not flashy and he doesn't wow you with his athleticism, but he is in the right place on the floor at all times. And I think when you're talking about winning time, when you're talking about the playoffs, you need those kind of guys. And uh, one of my biggest takeaways from this stretch run and 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 yesterday was, you know, guys like Juan Descano Anderson and Jordan Poole are guys you 100% can feel comfortable with in the playoffs. Yeah, I think you hit on a ton of good stuff there. Um, it is kind of odd to say that a team that, that got beat up, that got injured, um, that that helped them in some way. But I think you're exactly right. It All year, they kept talking about, we've got to figure out what our identity is. Um, when you've got eight players left, that's your identity. You know, it makes it a lot easier to figure it out. Um, and what they find out is found out is that, that those guys have grit. They they understand how to win games. Um, I always think about how hard that is, like why they kept switching around the rotations and matchups all year. And when you think about some of the guys we're talking about, Kevon Looney, Kent Bazemore, Juan Toscano Anderson, um, when you watch them in warmups, you're not going to think, oh, that guy's an NBA player. That guy should be a starter. But they do contribute to winning because of the little things they do out there. Um, so I understand why that's hard as a coach. If you watch James Wiseman warm up versus Kevon Looney, you're going to think Wiseman needs to be the starter. He's clearly the guy with the more talent. Um, but Looney knows where he's supposed to be. What he does on defense, I think, shows up every night. Um, he does all the things that the Warriors specifically need because – He's in the right place at the right time. He sets screens for Stephen Curry. Um, so I think that's what they've ended up finding here is I think still in their locker room, there's a sign that says just us. Well, it really is just us now. It's just the eight guys. So that helps you kind of bind together when that happens. They know exactly what their roles are um, and they're performing them. Yeah. And, and that to me was the biggest question heading into the last month of the regular season was, okay, who are your going to be your guys from this season's team? that you can carry into next season that you, that you can pencil in on next season's roster and feel comfortable having them play a role. And um, I think what you're seeing is that, well, obviously Juan Descon Anderson, who just signed a, a two year guaranteed deal has to be not just, not just be on the team next season, but it'd be a key part of the rotation. I, I personally, I was talking to Wes Goldberg the other day on a podcast and I said, I know this sounds crazy given where he came from, but I personally would feel comfortable having Juan Descano Anderson be my sixth or seventh man on a contending team, mm -hmm. which if you had told me just five, six months ago that I would say that I would have asked you like, what happened to my brain? <laughs> am I, am I mentally okay? Did something <laughs> happen in my life? But that is where he's at. He is, Every he does every little thing as a role player to help this team win games. He plays with unbelievable energy. He's a crazy good passer. The many Draymond comparisons really are true in terms of how he sees the floor, how he finds open shooters. 
He understands the system in a way that a lot of guys with his experience level do not. He plays off Steph so well. Um, defensively, he's so versatile. And I think one of the most important things is just how versatile of a player he is. He can play three through five with no problems. Even though he's 6'6", six, six, he, he holds his own defensively against much bigger guys in the post. And um, when you're when you're talking about a coach like Steve who really likes to mix and match and 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 switch up things, it's so helpful to have a, a guy like that who you can just plug into so many different roles and trust that he's going to be reliable in all those roles because they have guys who can play different positions, but they're definitely better at some positions than others. I'm not I'm not really sure what Juan's best position is because he's good at all the positions he's played. He's a basketball uh, player. Borderline been a point guard at times. <laughs> For this team, and uh, you know, you look at someone like Eric Pascal, like all he's proven he can do at this point is be a small ball five. Right, right. And you know, it's hard to imagine you having much of a future in this league if you're like this niche six foot six small ball five, and and you're not great defensively, and you can really only score in ISO situation. Yeah. And so, um, obviously, someone like Eric Pascal is on contract next next season. Uh, I still expect, even though Damian Lee's been injured, I think he showed enough before he got injured to to be around next season. But you ra- it raises questions about someone like Ubre and and uh, you know like even guys like Nico Mannion and um, do they do they belong? Because to me, someone like Kent Bazemore, you need to do everything you can to resign him and bring him back. And then one one guy I wanted to ask you about because I'm personally on the fence about him still is Michael Mulder. Like, do you think Michael Mulder has shown enough to warrant a spot next season? In the NBA, I don't know with the Warriors. Um, and it's hard to say that right now because he's part of that eighth that's brought him on this six-game winning streak and got him into the to the best possible play-in situation that they could be in. Um, and I'll see glimpses where he shocks me with his athleticism or even does something defensively that surprises me. Cause in my thoughts at the beginning of the year, I thought this guy's a shooter and that's what he does. Um, he does some other things, but they are kind of few and far between. And even in that group of kind of the no name second team that plays out there, he disappears for a long time. So um, I don't know. I'd be interested to see what the warriors themselves think about him. But if you're bringing all those guys back, then there isn't much room for anybody else. And so I kind of wonder if he's the, he's the last guy out of that group. Um, you talk about Juan, he's definitely coming back. They want to do everything they can to bring Bazemore back. You're bringing pool back. Um, so you're right there. You're already at, at your eight. And I don't, I don't know where, where Mulder fits into it, but, um, and I haven't heard the Warriors front office say one way or another, like really glowingly or, or the other way of saying, what they think about him, but they just keep playing him and he keeps doing his job. So that that's something. Yeah. He wasn't, he wasn't great yesterday, um, but they didn't really need him to right. because you had, because you had Jordan Poole doing his thing and, and uh, you know, so he, he was kind of a non-factor, but he's, he's really come through in the clutch several times in recent weeks. And um, he's had a couple, he's a guy he's had a couple who, of those stretches where, where the rare ones where Stephen Curry can't make a shot. And Boulder is the one who starts making shots. And um, so, yeah, like I say, he's had a couple of stretches like that, but I don't know if it's been consistent enough to evaluate what he's going to be. I think bottom line, if they can't bring back Bazemore for whatever reason, that they should try to bring him back. Um, But the thing too, to keep keep in mind there is there is talk about them wanting to bring Justinian Jessup 
in just to give him a look. And I think Justinian Jessup showed enough this season in Australia to at least give him a look next season. And they are similar players just in the fact that they're catch-and-shoot guys who are mainly on the floor to space yeah. the floor. Um, where I, but even though I think Mulder's probably more athletic, Jessup is much longer and more versatile defensively. So you might want to lean that direction. But, yeah, I agree with you. Mulder has proven that he's an NBA player. And for a guy who averaged 3.8 <laughs> points per right. game in college at Kentucky and barely played, yeah. it's pretty impressive. Yep. Um, uh, and you, you, the, the the crazy thing is they're playing eight guys right now, and two of those guys average less than four points per game in college. Juan <laughs> right. Scott yeah. Anderson and Michael Mulder. They might be the only – I got to look this up, but they might be the only players in the NBA who average less than four points per game in college. Um, and I think I can get into a whole argument about how they underscore how scouts aren't evaluating role players in the right way. Like, they they need to stop caring so much about points and under and understand – that it when it comes to a role player, it's about your feel for the game. It's about the intangibles. It's about how you uh, mesh with other other guys in, in different styles. And Mulder and Toscano Anderson, Toscano Anderson especially, are phenomenal examples that it's all about feel for the game. It is all about basketball IQ because they have that in spades, especially Toscano Anderson. And that is why they will be in the league, I think, for, for years to come. Now, the Warriors, like we talked about, got got the eight seed yesterday. Um, we're able to pull away in that second half against the Grizzlies. Thank in large, thanks in large part to this guy named Steph Curry, who continues to be unreal. Just locked up his second career scoring title. Finished yesterday with 46 points on 16 for 36 shooting, which is more impressive when you consider the fact that he started so slow. He missed his first, I think, five shots of the game and 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 was uh, pretty quiet there in the in the first half, and then just kind of once again turned it on when it mattered most. So we know what we're going to get from Steph at this point, as long as he's healthy and that that tailbone doesn't continue to bother him. Uh, Wiggins continues to be reliable, you know, both offensively and defensively. He was a very efficient twenty-one points yesterday, nine for sixteen shooting. Looney has been reliable. Draymond Green has been reliable. Like we talked about, Toscano Anderson has been reliable. And Poole is starting to is starting to emerge as a dependable guy in this rotation. I'll admit, I, it took me, I tweeted out yesterday, it's taken me a long time to come around to Poole. Um, I've had my reservations about him. Um, I still don't think he's 100% like a... a a, a building block of this franchise. I mean, I thought what Steve said the other day was pretty, pretty high praise. He said that he sees him potentially as a six man next season. And if you're really chasing a title, do you feel comfortable? Jordan Poole is your six man. I personally don't yet because he just hasn't shown the consistency. His overall efficiency on the season is not that great, but here's the thing about Jordan Poole. He steps up in big moments. He's got this wiggle to his game. You know, he's got this X factor about him. He's he's dynamic in a way that not a lot of guys are. And it, I, it'll be really fascinating to see how he looks playing meaningful minutes on Wednesday in, in a very important playing tournament game in Los, Los Angeles. Um, do you feel, would you feel comfortable if you're Bob Myers? Would you feel comfortable going into the next season with Jordan Poole as your sixth man? I'm finally there now. Um, I like you. It took me a long time to get there. Um I just thought there were so many ups and downs in his game. Um, 
And you're right. His efficiency is still not off the charts. But if you compare it to last year, it's an amazing leap how much better his percentages are and efficiency is. Um, and so that makes me wonder. You, we know he's not going to stop working. The guy works harder than anybody on the team. Um, so if he makes another jump like that next year, and if his role is defined as that, come off the bench, score like crazy, and then come back over here and sit down, um, I think that's a role that, that he can fill for sure. The question is, will he accept that? Because like every first-round pick, he thinks he's a starter in the league. It's probably a little easier when you're playing behind Stephen Curry and eventually Clay Thompson to accept that you're the sixth man. Um, but I think that'll be the interesting thing. Does does he keep working like this? Does he keep accepting this role um, if they say you are a sixth man? Does he think Steve Kerr gave him a compliment by saying he could be the sixth man next year? Or does he think Steve Kerr slighted him by saying he's only a sixth man? You know, that would be if, he, if he's slighted by that, then he's delusional, <laughs> to be honest with you, because, uh, you know, he's not better than Clay Thompson. Of course, okay? of course. He's not better than uh, Steph Curry. No, I, I, think, I think that he partly because he was drafted into the organization and he's been, a, it's all he knows in the NBA. Right. I think he's going to be completely fine with, with being a six man, at least next season. He's under contract for next season. We'll see what happens after that. But the thing that you got to keep in mind is he's only 21. Um, you know, he's got so much room to grow. And I, I know I hear a lot of people making big statements about him. Like, Oh, well, you know, his ceiling is like a six man guy or whatever. It's like, I'm not ready to say anyone who's 21 years old, has a ceiling that's barely above where they currently are. Right, right. You know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. who's to say he couldn't make it all star? Absolutely. Like, yeah. like I said, he he has this wiggle to his game. He has this dynamism that other players don't have. Yeah. You know, you don't. I don't know a ton of players in the league who have that kind of uh, that kind of X factor where we, when you watch them, you're just like leaning forward in your seat, wanting to see what they're going to do next. He already has elements of that. He's starting to scratch the surface of that. When you think about how freaking bad he was uh -huh. last year, <laughs> right. it, it bodes well for his future, just how far he's come in a short period of time. We'll have more of my conversation with Rusty Simmons right after the break. Digging into a little bit into this Lakers matchup on Wednesday, um, this is going to be really intriguing on a lot of levels. And I'll, I'll be honest, I personally was rooting for this matchup. It was going to come down to the Trailblazers and the Lakers. I was rooting for the Lakers because um, because there's just so many more storylines. As a, as a as a writer, right? As a reporter, all we really care about is do we have stuff to say? Right. Do we have do we have interesting storylines, and there's so much to dig into here. The, the big thing, and I'm going to write about this today, is this is, in my opinion, been one of the, the most ripe rivalries out there in the league that has long been dormant. Mm -hmm. You know, there, there's so many reasons why this could be a phenomenal rivalry when you're talking about the, the geographical location. They're both they're in state. Um, you know, you got the L.A. versus NorCal rivalry right there. Uh, they're both proud franchises in their own respects. Um, you know, right now they both boast a couple of the best players in the league um, in, in LeBron and, and Steph. I mean, you, those are probably two of the top three players in the league, arguably the top two players in the league. Um, you know, and, and you, but the funny thing about it is they've never even been close to rivals because they've literally never been good at the same time. If you look at, 
you know, a chart. Actually, one of our, our graphics guys, I did a story a while ago, one of our graphics guys did a chart looking at the wins and losses of the both franchises over the course of the past 50 years. And they're literally opposite uh-huh. of each other because when the when the when the Lakers were dynastic in the 80s with the Showtime Lakers, the Warriors were really bad, you know. And then when the when the Lakers were dynastic again in the early 2000s, the Warriors were still really bad. Uh, and then and then when the Warriors became dynastic a few years ago, that was like the one of the rare times where the Lakers were really bad. And uh, so now you're kind of just this is the first time where they're starting to uh, intersect in in their relevance. You know, they're starting to both be relevant at the same time right now. Unfortunately, they're kind of both mediocre. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think that they could both be very good as soon as next season. And, And then that will be really interesting. So to me, the most interesting thing about Wednesday is like, is this going to be a sneak peek of really important matchups between these two franchises to come Um, because the the Warriors should be much better next season. You got to think that the Lakers figure it out with LeBron. I know that they're getting older, but I I can't help but feel like the past few weeks and their struggles have been largely just due to injury. So if they can stay healthy, um, I still think they're one of the best teams in the league. Do you think that the Warriors have a legitimate shot? Wednesday, it's going to be at Staples Center in front of some fans. Um, LeBron is one of the most clutch players in the league. He's back healthy. Um, what do you think the Warriors' chances are on Wednesday? I think they always have a legitimate shot because 30 might go crazy, and then that gives you a shot in any game, and you just see the confidence start breeding into the rest of the team and guys you don't think should be knocking down shots do. Um, so that gives them a shot. Um, but if LeBron is relatively healthy and Anthony Davis is relatively healthy. I think the Lakers are the better team. They just come at you in waves. We're talking about, we're talking about the Warriors having eight guys. The Lakers have 12 that that are pretty good. And and a lot of them have been in these kind of situations before. Um, And the other thing that I would keep an eye on is I'm sure it's still that the last time I looked, the splits were so far off that I'm sure it's probably still true is that I think Stephen Curry shoots his worst percentages at Staples against the Lakers. Um, he doesn't like the sight lines and especially the Lakers. It's you have to think about it differently. The Clippers don't do the same thing at Staples that the Lakers do where they make it like the boxing lighting and Stephen Curry doesn't like that. That's a good point. I didn't even think about that. His field goal percentage and three point percentages are the worst of, against any team in the league. Um, so I start out this thing by saying they got a chance if 30 goes crazy. And I end it by telling you Stephen Curry hates shooting there. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I really do feel like Steph is in a zone unlike any zone we've seen. And Steph understands more than ever that they need him to not just score 30. They need him to score 40 plus. He took 36 uh, to shots yesterday. 36 <laughs> shots yesterday. Career high for one of the most prolific shooters in NBA history. It's uh, it's insane. Um, and, you know, he was he was. When Dylan Brooks was in the game yesterday, Dylan Brooks was doing a really nice job for them. When he fouled out with six minutes to go, that was really a turning point. The Warriors were already kind of in control at that point, but that that was when I was ready to start writing my Warriors <laughs> winning story because uh, you know they just didn't have another defensive option. They were putting like the Anthony Melton on them. <laughs> like the guy has no chance. Uh, so, um, 
you know, who 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 do you think matches up with with Steph defensively from the Lakers on Wednesday? I guess Caldwell Pope will get the start, um, but like like in every situation uh, that we've seen this year, few teams have guarded him one on one. It'd be interesting to see if more do like what Dylan Brooks was doing, just top blocking him and completely ball denial, not even paying attention to where the ball was, just just following Stephen Curry around and trying not to let him have the ball. Um, or will they trap at half court? You know, I, I don't know what the Lakers will do, but Caldwell Pope will be the first guy who gets the assignment. I think Dylan Brooks is somewhat of a blueprint. I think when you've when I the the games I've actually seen Steph struggle the most offensively are the games when he has when he has one defender top blocking him mm-hmm. like that. When he has one guy just like all up in his grill. Um, a lot of times the double teams and stuff aren't that effective because Steph is so good at playing off the ball and seeing where open spaces are and where he can he can get the ball to open shooters, which ends up creating more room for himself. Um, and so I actually think that, you know, the teams that have one kind of elite perimeter defender that they can throw at Steph are in a better position um, because the supporting cast, say what you will about it, but they've they've shown that they can they can shoulder a load when, when Steph is being double and triple in team. And, you know, Steph often too, when he gets double and triple teams, gets more aggressive um, and just starts attacking the rim. Um, and he's been as good around the rim this season as he's ever been. So, um, but is Caldwell Pope a Dylan Brooks level defender? Is he an all defensive team kind of guy? I don't know a ton about Caldwell Pope defensively. I don't, I don't know his reputation to be that. I would in that situation, I would take Dylan Brooks over Caldwell Pope, but you saw the adjustment Curry made when he saw that I'm getting top blocked here all the time. All he's doing is ball denying. He started going back door all the time. And no disrespect to Valanciunas, but he's not a rim protector. He's huge, but he's not a shot blocker. It now you're going back door against the Lakers and you're going against Anthony Davis, Andre Drummond, Mark Gasol. You know, what I mean, like it's that's a different scenario. So even if even if Caldwell Pope is doing a top block and your natural instinct is to make the adjustment to the adjustment to go back door. Now all of a sudden you're dealing with a whole different set of trees than he was dealing with Sunday. So bottom line, early prediction, we're talking on a Monday morning. So the Warriors win Wednesday. What, what, what happens on Wednesday? My prediction is we'll be covering a game Friday at chase center against Memphis. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, I think, I think that, the Warriors lose uh, in a relatively convincing fashion. I think they lose by like 10 or so points um, because I, I just, for whatever reason, do not feel like Steph is going to have one of his signature nights. And I think it's for a few reasons you touched upon it with the fact that he's struggled at times at Staples. I think that, um, you know, if a push comes to shove, they might put LeBron on him and yeah. uh, that that's not a great matchup for, for Steph in, in a lot of ways. And so I think I think he's going to have a good night, but not an elite night. And that's going to be the difference because um, to beat any teams that they're facing going forward, because every team they're going to face going forward is as good of, or better than them, you know, and at least from a talent. Right. Standpoint. Right. Uh, all these teams are deeper than them. That's for sure. Literally every team in the Western Conference is still going to be playing is deeper than them. Right. Um, so uh, and yeah, when you combine in the depth factor, the Lakers just have more weapons more options and i think that they're well coached enough and good enough at executing a game plan to 
make life difficult on Steph and to, you know, also make life difficult on someone like Andrew Wiggins. You take those two guys out, who's your best scorer? Jordan Poole? Mm-hmm. And like, look, we talked about Jordan Poole. He's doing his thing. I don't want Jordan Poole to be my third best option <laughs> right. in a playoff environment. That's that's not a that's not a recipe for success. So Rusty, thanks again, man, for joining me on the pod. You were amazing as always. Um, I'm looking forward to covering these um I was going to say next couple of weeks, at least the next week, right. potentially yeah. with you. So where, once again, can our readers and listeners follow follow you and find all your stuff? Uh, hopefully on their front porch, they get the hard copy of the San Francisco Chronicle. That also gets you a subscription online where all the fun stuff is. They put everything up there, including a bunch of stuff that doesn't even get in the newspaper. And then, uh, you know how good our editors are now connor they tweet out everything that we do and put cool graphics on it and everything so they're, they're making it look really good yes um so i will i think we should pot a, well, another time this week um so listeners get ready for that i know we've historically been doing one pot a week but now we're in crunch time we're in winning time it's time to it's time to raise our level of game and and, and pot a little bit more for you guys um so rusty I'll, uh, I'll talk to you and, and have a good week. All right. right on. Sounds good. Our thanks to Rusty Simmons for joining me on the podcast. Always love talking Warriors with him. Warriors Off Court is a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. Support Warriors Off Court in the newsroom that creates it by signing up for a Chronicle membership at sfchronicle.com slash pod. 